The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bloom, episode 24. Coming at you to continue our positional recaps of the 2022 season. This time, going to the middle infield, second base, and shortstop. Talk a little LCS action to have some fun with that as well, and much, much more. You can find myself on Twitter at BDNTrick, and my co host is always on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, man? We are, we are doing. We are, we are doing forecaster. 100% of the time, or 99% of the time, we are doing First Pitch Arizona prep. We are doing podcasts. We are doing a draft. We are doing, what else What else am I doing? We're, we're, we, got, I, we got my XFL keeper deadline this weekend. So like I said before, this is the busiest time of year, and it it is. And honestly, man, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's yeah. uh, a ton of fun. It's fun. It's fun. Like I started uh, with the gain of the edge guys. We're starting to kind of plan our November push. And I'm like all of a sudden kind of getting a little excited again to uh, to get back into it after a little breather here. And uh, I got my black book assignment for the year. So okay. it's uh, yep. it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'll be jumping in the waters with you here in a minute to um, to, to get going here. First pitch is going to be awesome, as I think people are probably sick of us saying over and over again. But we say it for a reason because it is two weeks. <laughs> yep. It's so close. I literally looked at my calendar because, you know, I have to do certain uh, scheduling things in my life now. And I was um, I was looking at it the other day and I'm like, oh, man, it's right around the corner. This is great. Like it's so close. So it's close. Almost, so, you, you uh, pull up the weather app on the phone and and yep. that tenth day, it's starting to starting to get there. It's getting close. Getting close. So it's gonna be a blast. Look forward to seeing whoever can make it out there. It's gonna be a great time for the you know, four days or whatever. We are in Arizona, which is always a great place to be in the fall slash winter time of the year. But all right, before we get into our second base shortstop recap, comparing ADPs with the Rasball Player Raider finishes, which was very fun and productive for first base and third base, let's talk a little postseason. We last time we talked, they were wrapping up the uh, wild card rounds. We got talked a little divisional action. Well, the divisional rounds wrapped up. The Yankees took down the Guardians. Unfortunately, that was a rough one to stomach for some of us. But uh, the Astros and the Mariners, that was a series mm. of all series, like literally a couple bounces from a completely different outcome. And then you had the National League that the five, six seeds both made the LCS for the first time because it's the first time we have a five, six seed. And Fernando Tatis Jr. might not miss most of the season now. So uh, what are your thoughts on this, uh, the division series? And, you know, we have Astros up 1-0 and the Phillies uh, Padres tied at 1. And that that Tatis thing, man, um, that's probably the biggest fantasy takeaway of this postseason is uh, I guess the Padres won today, so they're guaranteed to go in five in the NLCS. So. Five fewer games of Tatis for next year. It's been 
it, the Mariner series was rough. Um, that was a that was a tough one. Super entertaining. Jordan Alvarez, just um, you know, talent. I know there's a lot of kind of nitpicking on why why go Robbie Ray against uh, against Jordan Alvarez in the ninth, and and you know all this. You know, should have pitched this guy, that guy. It's just Houston was the better team. Uh, but it was a it was a fantastic series. Really, every series has been super entertaining, and to me at least, like that's. I don't know. I that's what I'd like to see in the postseason. There's there's been a lot of talk back and forth about the the new format and and the best teams not being there and that sort of thing. But I think it's almost just like check your expectations with these postseason tournaments. Um in pretty much any sport, the best team more often than not does not win their uh their their postseason tournament. It's just kind of weird that baseball's getting that rap this year i guess it's because of of la um was there a high seed in the national league complaining about something right i missed that i thought it was a great outcome in that series I, did i miss something was someone you're, complaining you're about a little biased something? but but yes yeah, a very good it, outcome for you i thought um, it was a great a great series like the padres played amazing baseball it's um it's just i don't know it's postseasons are and i've always thought this way I and mean, i've said this on the show before get to the postseason it's a crap shoot it, it it's it's always been that way um, I think if we just kind of relax, take in these moments, these upsets, they're fantastic to watch and take the postseason for what it's worth. It's it's entertaining as heck and it's it's been great. So um I'm dialed in, man. Um I, I, I'm personally rooting for the Padres or the Phillies. I'm still a little hurt from the from the Astros series, so I'll I'll go with the NL and see where we get. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how the NL plays out because I love the like those games in Philadelphia, I would have wanted to be in that crowd. That was just an atmosphere of all atmospheres. We know Philly's got some fans. Like we know football, baseball, they got fans. But that place was insane. And for good reasons, great games, great comebacks. Like, But it was just electric. And that's what I love about the postseason, especially for teams. Like they haven't been there in like 11 or 12 years. So yep. it just shows like the excitement that you can get. The Mariners was rocking, of course, for good reasons. And they'll be back very soon, I think. I wouldn't be too worried about that when they got a, quite the core set up there. But um, like I'm pulling for the Phillies because I just want to keep seeing that run take place. I love seeing Harper dominate because – I'm a Harper fan. I get annoyed that people think he's overpaid and overreact. There's a big spectrum of people that think that it always makes me laugh because I think he's that good. Like I was, I tweeted about it. I was sitting at a sports bar on Monday night right before Harper went deep. And the at bat before that is when he smoked one and Cronenworth was shifting and dove and like it would have broken a run if all this stuff. And this guy, this Phillies fan, I said, man, Harper's having a great series, like postseason, hitting everything hard. Like, yeah, he's just hitting it hard. He's not doing anything. I was like, he had three home runs hitting 426 coming into that at bat. Nothing, nothing. And then he goes deep his next at bat. And I'm like, you Phillies fans, Excellent. I tell you, this is amazing. So, fickle, and then Schwarber's like eight, 800 foot homer. So, yeah. the formula is working. Actors. I mean, we, we, I, I, we, I picked the, the Phillies to go to the NLCS just because yeah. of Nola and Wheeler. Um, with them, it's gonna. I mean, that bullpen, man. Can you? Yep. Can how long can it hold together? Like I thought, uh, we're recording Wednesday, and I thought Wednesday's game too. Thought they had it in the bag with uh, mm-hmm. with Aaron Nola and a four game or a four run lead, but um, I know Nola gave up a fair share of that. But yep. man, I don't know if that bullpen can hold it together. And meanwhile, San Diego's bullpen has been nails. So, yep. um, and that was a perceived weakness. Um, so just interesting. Josh Hader's doing his thing at the back yep. of the, at, He's at back. the in the ninth. He's back. Ryan Presley looked fantastic tonight. Again, not taking away too much of this stuff, but uh, for next year. But um, yeah, just just really good baseball. This this has honestly been one of uh, one of my favorite uh, postseason so far. There's just been a lot of moments, a lot of new teams, a lot of upsets. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, it's been great. So let's let's hope for as much baseball as possible, especially. Um, especially World Series game six and yeah. seven in that first pitch. That would just be amazing. Didn't you happen to draft Ryan Presley? Wasn't that your closer by chance? I did. I'm rooting for him. Yeah, just checking. Just checking. Oh, yeah. Fourth, fourth uh, round Ryan Presley in our in our degenerate degenerate draft and hold. Uh, that pick was made back in August. So, um, and I, I um, won't keep like belaboring the games because people probably don't care about all our thoughts on the games, but it was funny with tonight's Yankees game because they struck out, I think, like 17 times or something like crazy number. 
and seven of those were between Carpenter and Donaldson in the middle of the order. And that was with um, four of those at bats were with runners in scoring position. The only times all game the Yankees had runners in scoring position. I'm just laughing. Like it's just well, I, certain, I, I certain think Stanton and Judge were only I think Stanton and Judge were only one strikeout of the seventeen. So yep. Um, it's actually weird. It just depends. given like given times, uh, the Yank. I watched the fewest of the Yankees in any team. Most of their games are on at like four our time, and that's that time. That's time. no bueno time for yep. uh, for me. It's either during the that's day tough. when I've got it on in the background, or uh, those those West Coast night games. For sure, for sure. But we'll talk more about it next week. Probably have some World Series ideas by then. Maybe even starting the World Series. We'll see. So we'll have some fun to uh, break down there. Hopefully, we'll uh, have some good series, as you said, until then. And I think we will. I think we're going to have some, some some dandies, as they would say. But let's get into it. We have second base. We have shortstop. We did first base, third base last week. And for those uh, keeping track at home, we're using ADP from main events towards the end of draft season, comparing it to the finishing Razzball player Raider rankings, and basically seeing, did these picks pan out? And how did it work? And we remember with first base and third base, extremely top-heavy. If you took one early, you benefited. If you didn't, you had to do some getting lucky as the draft went on. Just first glance, a little different at these positions, but we already know that especially shortstop is an extremely deep position, which we've known for a long, long time. So that helps a lot before we even break that down. But let's get into second base, Ryan. And um, it's a crazy position. And obviously this guy's eligible both, so he will top both positions. But I know most of us had Trey Turner as our number one overall last year. He went number one overall last year, and he was the number one second baseman. I'll say number one shortstop while we're at it. Like he he earned every bit of that. So I'm just gonna stop there for a second so we can start talk about Trey Turner. But he did it again and he's done it time and time again. He performs at an elite level at a top pick, and it's hard to see anybody but Trey Turner still being number one to me for the time being. I, I agree with you. I, I think Trey Turner is the the number one overall pick next year. I mean, he is a free agent, so let's see where he goes there. One thing with Trey Turner that's just kind of interesting, dude had he had a hundred RBI. I, I normally think of yeah. I mean, that's um, I know a lot Dodger fueled hitting second mostly behind Mookie Betts, so the runs were there, but the RBI were absolutely there. I think. I, think the counting stats if he does not stay in LA are going to take a hit but I don't think it's enough to uh to to knock Trey Turner from um from number one overall I believe Rob Silver tweeted this out earlier today Trey Turner is one of two um one of two guys to finish in the top 15 each of the last five seasons and the other one is um Freddie Freeman. J-Ram. Oh, Freeman. Oh, Freddie Freeman. J-Ram, four out of the last five seasons, along with Machado, your boy Bryce Harper, and Mookie Betts. But Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman uh, are the two guys who finished top Pretty 15 each the last five seasons. So, um, yeah. and Number one and I, for me. And I agree that the landing spot, obviously, will have an impact on certain things. But I also think a different team could actually increase the stolen bases. He only had 27 steals because, yeah. you know, hitting second there, he's driving at Mookie. He had all these big bats behind him. It felt like he wasn't running as much as he used to just because the need wasn't there with the Dodgers. But I could be overthinking it. We're, no, we're you're right. 30, you, the, so, we, at yeah. HQ, we use, we use stolen base opportunity metric, just kind of estimates when you're on first, what percentage of time do you run? Typically, Trey Turner's been low mid-20%, and this year 17%. So, yeah, he yeah. definitely did not run as much. Didn't need to. To be honest, yeah, exactly. He didn't need to, but you know, going to a different team, we could see yep. that spike again, and, and that could be quite interesting. All right, now we go farther down the list. You had Ozzy Albies, uh, 17th off the board, 35th, because obviously missed a lot of the season with an injury. And we will talk about him more, but then Trevor Story, 17th on the player rater with Merrifield, even though it was a bad season, still finished 15th at second base. So like, he didn't really help you, but he didn't crush you. So, this is a guy we've been t- joking about in our, in our um, degenerate draft because he just keeps staying on the board. Um, it's tough to take with Merrifield, especially not knowing where he's going to play and all these scenarios, but he still at least kind of produced for you as the season went on. Yeah. On the NFBC platform, they haven't, and, and, and shouldn't yet. Cause it's still in the postseason. They have not rolled the site forward to 2023 yet slackers. So the, so the draft board is ordered by ADP. And if you time out, which you almost did Bubba last night, saved you, yep. saved you a with, a, with a that, last that minute. Let text. Me know. That's yes. right. Um, you, you get the, 
the 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 Whit Merrifield. Um, so he's that kind of guy right now. Who typically during draft season, it's the guy who gets hurt in February. ADP's already up there, and if you time out, you get him. Uh, but now it's Whit Merrifield because we're and Javi Baez is the second one because um yeah he's sitting there yeah it's by last year ADP. Crazy but that- you're no, go ahead. Yeah. No, sorry, sorry. I was going to move on, but you got more to say. Go for it. No, I was just going. You brought up like Merrifield not being a total disaster, and even Trevor Story too. Like I, yeah. I had the impression that they were just like complete duds, and yes, uh, very bad seasons from both of them. But finished fifteenth and seventeenth at the position. Like it, when you factor in, um, you know, injuries and lost time and things like that. Like. That wasn't like horrible. Uh, it was it was bad, but it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought. It was interesting to see them at least finish like middle of the pack um, at the position. And that's why I like this exercise. It really kind of brings things into light on what really happened. Like kind of takes biases out because it's just the numbers. It's this is what it was, and it, it kind of helps things like Marcus Simeon, fifth second baseman off the board to pick fifty eight second in the player rater. This is a guy that for like the first, what, two months of the season, everyone was writing off, like, this guy's horrible. Why did Texas sign him? And he finished with 26 homers and 25 stolen bases. Like, he was outstanding and um, kind of shut everybody up. And I guess it goes also to show, as long as you're not playing head-to-head in a roto league, sometimes you're good players. You just roll the dice and trust them. And Simeon made you feel a lot better by the end of it. One home run and a sub 200 batting average, six steals. But that, that's what you were looking at with Marcus Simeon through May, like through the first two months of the season. And then, uh, uh, yeah, hit six plus homers in every other month after that uh, with, with speed and that sort of thing. So quite the salvage. Um, we say be aggressive and drop sometimes, but this was not this was not the case. And I think there were whispers of kind of dropping Marcus Simeon in shallower leagues just because he was doing absolutely nothing. But uh, they say at HQ, practice excruciating patience. And sometimes um, sometimes it's not good to be too patient, but it definitely paid you off yeah. with, with Semyon. 30, let's see, 58 ADP. I, I think he'll go even higher next year. So, Well, let's just have some Earlier. fun with that for a second. Um, if we look at this fancy handy-dandy draft board where did simeon go why can't it look he went in the early fourth round so so before 58 and that was again that was that was mid-august when we did this and so simeon still uh kind of improved after that so i could i could definitely see simeon being a third round pick and i'd probably be fine with it next year yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Javi Baez, like we said, you know, still 18 on the Raider, 17 homers, nine steals. Yeah. Somehow that didn't crush you. Like I was devastated with him all year. Like I, I've been a Baez guy through and through. It was a tough one. Part of me wants to be like, okay, that was year one of a contract. Second year, he's going to be comfortable. I don't know. He looked more lost than lost out there at the plate. So that was a tough one. But then after Baez, we see a sea of red, Ryan. We have <laughs> Jazz Chisholm, who was my dog, and I do not regret this pick still. 254, 14, and 12, and he got hurt. Like He was on his way to a monster season. He's had injury concerns, though, so some people say that's kind of what you signed up for. Maybe. Then you have Brandon Lau, uh, Jorge Polanco, Cattell Marte, Jonathan India. A lot of injuries in this mix that caused a lot of this, uh, but still subpar performances from picks 7 through 11 at the second base position. Yeah, and this was a big thing in draft season where in if we think back to to March and April like second base was kind of deep up top or so we thought and then dropped off a cliff after like pick 100 there were a bunch of second basemen going basically at the same ADP and those were the guys that you mentioned this pocket of of Baez, Chisholm, Brandon Lau, Polanco, Marte, India Jose Altuve and Tommy Edmond, kind of in that order, that's where they were going. And it was almost like there was debates on, you know, how do you order those guys? Which one do you take out of that? Basically, the answer was wrong for almost almost yes. all of them. The only ones that worked out were Jose Altuve, who had a had a hell of a season. 328 home runs, 18 steals. Like, 18 steals, that's the big yeah. shocker right there. He ran again. He ran again. He, I thought it was one or the other, either batting average or homers, and turns out it was both. So, like Jose Altuve, absolutely crushed it. Um, the other one in that group that I and and Bubba, you mentioned this. I mean, it is your boys, Chaz. It's Jazz Chisholm. Like, yeah. I still think. I mean, you need to take that end of season line and 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 add on what you got from his replacement. replacement. Value. 
Yeah. And um, just a kind of, a, I did a kind of sneak peek Chisholm's forecaster write up. It's, it's quite rosy. So yeah, um, I, everything I, about okay his profile, everything about his profile before he got hurt was just like breakout star. Like everything was great. So he's got to pray he's healthy though. It's been a problem. It's been a problem for him. But, it's been a uh, problem. It's that age old, like, is it, is it that coin flip thing? Did he, did he just, yeah. did he just land on tails two years in a row? Um, is it yep. a kind of longer term issue? I don't think we know yet. I always lean on the side of just, he's gotten unlucky a couple years yep. in a row and that's just what it is. Um, we've seen plenty of examples of guys who have been injury prone early in their careers. Nelson Cruz always comes to mind. Um, and then just become, just became one of the more stable guys kind of later in his career, um, but I, I think it's just kind of that bad luck, but well, yeah, 14 homers, 12 steals and 200 at bats, 213 at bats for jazz. Like you don't want to prorate totally, but it's easy to see a 25, 25 season next year. So, yep. I'm on board. I'm on board. Oh, that, for sure. that wasn't a miss. The, the other ones no. were misses like man, Brandon yes. Lau, Polanco, Marte and, uh, and India, you, India was hurt a ton too. And I just took him. I just took him in our draft in our degenerate yeah, draft. Let's, yeah, let's, let's so and I took a second baseman as well. Um, since our draft restarted on you Monday. Very, but yes, you no, did you take person, yeah. you took India in the eleventh. Um, yep. so are are you so I mean obviously we're granting this a pass injury pass, but yeah. what's the thinking there? It's two things. It's the injury pass. He's young, you know, rookie of the year two years ago. The hit tool still, I think, there. I'm going to factor the injury, and he's still in Great American Small Park. So come back healthy, hit towards the top of the order. Um, I, I'm still good with him as long as he stays healthy. That's my two cents. Like, if we see him healthy in spring, he's not an 11th round pick at all. Not even close. Like, he moves right back up the board to at least, like, I would say a sixth or seventh, maybe. Maybe I'm over, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think he's got legit upside in that regard that, uh, it was one of those. I'm looking at the draft board, and it's like, okay, I, I could, you know, I could take a chance here on a guy like India and be okay with it. Um, even if he doesn't produce as well as I would hope, I could still survive it at, at round 11. I'd obviously want more, but uh, that's my train of thought. I'm thinking bounce back. Um, it was hamstring injuries, and that just requires time. And they just kept bringing him back. So give it time, let him heal, and hopefully he's not Troy to the whiskey, and we can go that direction, and we're okay. So. It's funny. That's I have India's India's box uh, for the forecaster. I wrote it up right before the podcast. So it's literally standing. It's right in front of me on my screen um, with with a, with my commentary filled out. And yeah, what I saw, like, it, I mean, the hamstring was never right. You had an IL stint in April. You had another IL stint in May. So he came back. It wasn't it wasn't right. Um, went back on the IL and then it recurred later again, I think in August. Uh, I don't think went on the IL for that, but again, like he was playing with this all season and um, it's uh, it's the, the, on the, on the flip side, the one thing that I'll say on the flip side is like, we don't have a super long track record of Jonathan India in the majors, at least like the prospect pedigree was there, but all we really have for, for India is that 2021 season. And so I think the question is like, how much, you know, will he rebound to that or how close will he get? to that 2021 season where he hit 21 homers, 12 steals and hit 270. So I think that's kind of the key question is how much does he, uh, does he bounce back? Assuming he's healthy. It's, it's, uh, I don't, I don't have the answer, but it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah. So I'm taking a gamble. I'm taking a gamble on it and see what happens. But uh, like you mentioned, Altuve third on the player writer, just a beast. Tommy tanks fourth. And that was a kind of a quieter second half, and he still put up amazing numbers: thirty-two steals, thirteen 32 home runs, two sixty-five. Uh, you got Luis Garcia. Who, ignore, who, ignore Luis yeah, Garcia. That is the pitcher the wrong ADP. One. Wrong one. Yep. So I, I threw this together a little bit too quick with everything else going it's all on. Good. And I fell I, I, for the trap. Uh, so. But you know what's impressive? Even though he had a buck ninety-six this year, Max Muncy finished twenty-third. Like not great, but not bad. We've talked about him a lot. I even took a gamble and drafted him. As uh, we talked about him last week, how I'd be kind oh, of willing to you. take that That's chance. Right. I, I took him after I wow. took uh, India or, or right before him, I think. right before. And, I didn't uh, realize that was you. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm again, he's got that eligibility, which in a DC is tremendous to me. So, um, yeah, that's a guy that I'm looking for. I don't, 196 is not Max Muncy. So, um, I, I'm there on him. We got Ray Cronenworth. Everyone likes to clown on him. Still finished eighth 
at second base on the play radar. You got McMahon at 14th, and then Glaber Torres finished seventh with 24 homers and 10 stolen bases. So it's like you said, you take them early, there's the pocket of bad, but then there was one, two, three, if you count Muncy, or not Luis Garcia, so one, two, three, four, like six or seven straight really quality picks between 91 and 150. So that's a, it's a lot to say there at second base position. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's everything, but – this is where the value was uh, second base was waiting until after pick 100. And this is kind of the, a little bit opposite of first base and third base that we talked about last week where the market like completely nailed the the beginning though. I did realize I didn't put Chris Bryant in there for whatever reason, uh, but the market did nail the beginning of first base and third base those early rounds. And then it went kind of hollow, whereas second base, and we'll talk about shortstop next, uh, but similar, similar path. If you waited till like the ninth, 10th round and 15 teamers, you got one of these guys, you got your Cronenworth McMahon Glaber. Um, you got Tommy Edmond at a hundred, you got Altuve at 90, like that really worked out. So if you did play it where you got your corners early, and waited a little bit in middle infield that worked out for, you know, I mean, is that going to be the trend next season? I don't know, but it's interesting to at least see, see how that played out. And if you played it, if you played it right, you, you, uh, you crushed it. If you started with <laughs> Albies and then waited on corner infield, um, you, yeah. you weren't collecting a paycheck. This, this, raise my, this raise my hand over season. here. I'll raise my hand on that one. That was this guy. But, um, yeah, so we get through that round. You got Chris Taylor, DJ the Mayhew, guys that were hurt all season. So they kind of 31st and 24th in the play rate. But then Colton Wong, and that was even with some injuries, 15 homers, 17 steals. I was pounding the Colton Wong bandwagon all um, preseason based on his draft value. I was writing about it. I was talking about how good he is, especially leading off from Milwaukee. That came through. Ty France, even with some injuries, 276, 20 home runs, and some nice eligibility. And then Brennan Rodgers wasn't horrible. And he was injured a lot. So a lot of injuries here in this spot, but you still had long France and Rogers that didn't crush you from picks 180 to 189. Yep. And yeah, Colton Wong, it's it's interesting. I actually went back and forth. So I took Von Grissom in the 12th round of our degenerate draft uh, a couple hours ago. Thought hard about Colton Wong. Uh, I feel like he kind of went under the radar uh, this season mm-hmm. in, in Milwaukee, but hit... You know, hit i think first or second most of the time 430 at bats but i mean went 15 homers 17 steals with a 250 batting average like that is um that is damn good in 430 at bats so like he's 31 next year will be his age 32 season but i feel like colton wong's not getting talked about that much and um in terms of five category production like that's that's pretty solid Yep, I'm with you. And then just some other guys that kind of stood out as productive. Eduardo Escobar picked 219, 20 homers, no steals was okay. But Andres Jimenez at yep. 234, sixth on the player rider, 297, 17, and 20 was awesome. Jeff McNeil kind of had a, a rebirth. Only nine homers and four steals, but hit 326. 10th on the player rider, you had Josh Rojas we've talked about, Luis Arise who was there, and Brandon Drury, guys we talked about last week. But that Andres Jimenez one is one that's going to be a fun topic of conversation all off season because it was like a season or two ago we all were thinking this is what he was and then he couldn't even keep a job in the majors and then even this year kind of wasn't great out the gate got it going in the minors again came back and was just a beast so he's going to skyrocket quite a bit come draft season he is and so i had him in as his box as well i'm working too hard on this forecaster thing um but no it's forecasters all alphabetical so anybody who's like a g or um right around there is probably one of my guys. Um, two things can be true at the same time with Andre Semenez. Like he probably had his career year last year. I don't, I don't see him even that's kind of weird to say for someone who I think is 24 years old. Um, but that's more common than not to have your career year kind of early in your career. That can be true, but it can also be a pretty skill-supported step forward. Um, and so Jimenez, like I think he's a little bit over skis in terms of the batting average. He hit three. What did he hit? Uh, two ninety-seven this year. I think he's more like a two seventy guy with maybe fifteen homers, fifteen steals. Um, but that's that's awful. Uh, that's awful productive. The only thing. So I, I kind of list that line out, and I just talked about Colton Wong. Like I, I wonder if you can get like. Wong is a cheaper Andres Jimenez later. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because Jimenez went round six in our draft. Like and he's Wong he's is, going up. 
Yeah, and yeah, so, and Wong's still on the board. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the same thing that happened last year. So I said like I was writing articles like huh. it was Tommy Edmond and Colton Wong were going like over 100 picks apart at one point when I was writing my article. And I'm like, I get Tommy Edmond's appeal, but Colton Wong, we saw 15-17 and he only played 400 at-bats. What if he stayed healthy? Like we're talking 20-20, 100 picks later, that's a game changer depending on what you took at pick 100. So it's like the little things like that when I, I like at least when I like I know we all do it with our content, but it's it's not always the um, the equal stat line. It's what do you get when you flip those picks also. And that's yeah. what that's that's the whole point of comparing like a Wong versus Edmund. It's like yes, Edmund finished probably better than Wong. We've established that, but what you would have picked at Edmund compared to what you picked at Wong. Now tell me that difference as well, and then that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, so and, um, and the opportunity cost. What I mean, what else is available to yeah. you at those spots? And exactly. Yeah. So, and that's where I like. That's where that's kind. Of, that's the kind of research I like to do. Maybe it's not the most efficient to become a very good player, but I like to try to find those kind of opportunity cost plays, and then you yep. can kind of navigate elsewhere. That's that's what I usually do most of draft season. And Wong just stood out in a big way. And by the looks of things right now, he's going to stand out again for me because he. I think he still is very good. Like you said, he's only thirty-two. Like I think he's going to be just fine. So, yeah, we'll. I have a feeling we'll be talking more Colton Wong as things go on. Um, second base. The um, ADP, we talked about that. Uh, you met, you had a note there about outside of Trey Turner. We kind of talked about that. Yeah. Who was your most targeted second baseman, good or bad for you this year? Um, most targeted. Who do I have the most of? Everybody should know mine already, so this is easy. I I unfortunately want to say, yes, yeah, I, I think it's just on a couple teams, but I think it was Javi Baez. I have a lot of bias. I won't deny that. But my main dude, I, sh- I feel bad because I'm not wearing a shirt tonight. I have my Jazz Chisholm shirt. I should have worn it tonight. What a bad, <laughs> bad fan I am. But um, you have a Jazz, have jazz shirt. Yeah, from the Roto Roto Wear. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it's like it's an it's an I'll I'll wear it that first pitch. It's it's a great shirt, but it's a uh, it's like you don't know baseball. You play have no like what's this guy wearing type shirt. So I don't yeah. wear it in a ton of places. But at, at first pitch Arizona, everyone will know what's going on. Um, everyone will get it. Yeah, so I I love jazz, and I we just already talked about. It. I'll be back in. I'm not afraid of him. And our draft was back in. He went, I think it was round three. I got the board right here. Yeah, he went round three. He went to two pick or three picks after Albies. He was the third second baseman off the board. So uh, that was our buddy Rob DP DPHO. So yep, took him. Yeah, the uh, the Chisholm love is going to be there again and in full swing. And I we both kind of sound like we agree, rightfully so. So. Uh, go get some right there. And my comparison to Chisholm last year was why draft Bo Bichette in round one when you can draft Jazz Chisholm four rounds later. That was my <laughs> comparison. And I was looking really smart there for a while. I, say, <laughs> really we'll, we'll, I made a note about Bichette. We'll, we'll get to Bichette in, uh, in just a sec. Um, yeah, I'm looking at that third round, and I took Starling Marte two picks before Jazz, kind of regretting that a little bit. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah. One guy we haven't talked about, and I don't know, Razball Player Raider has him 21st finishing. I, I, so much of that depends on how much their algorithm or whatever is valuing stolen bases. But John Birdie, like tip of the cap. If we're, if we're reviewing second base, I know he played, where else was he? He was outfield. He was third base. Looks third like he base, picked up yeah. maybe in season at shortstop too. Jeez. Well, um, tip of the cap to that guy, him. man. 41 bags, 18 in June. Yeah. Pretty in, crazy. Um, in, in, F, in, in FBC, shortstop, outfield, second base, third base. Wow. That's valuable, folks, especially the draft champions. Like, I don't know if he's going to get you what he got to this year, but he, we know he can. We know he can. It's not out of question. But my goodness. And he went, uh, he's gone. He's off the board in ours. He went, I think, around. Um, I think he's still available. He's still oh, he is. Okay. I thought he was yeah. taken. And so we're at pick one. We're in the 13th round, pick 189. So, okay. um, that's about right. That's about right. Cause you don't know if he's starting still. That's the fun part. That's so you don't know if he's starting. A, yep. you and so Birdie kind of felt, which honestly to me isn't that big of a deal. And we talked about this way back when, when we were talking about Fab during the season, like that's almost a feature because it keeps the price down. I mean, Birdie plays True. so much that someone's going to get hurt and he's going to play. So it's not so much like that. It's more like the dude is 32 years old. He's never stolen more than 17 bases in a major league season. The best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day. 
But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And you look at the second half, John Birdie hit uh, 216. Still had the 16 steals, but hit, hit 216 with 10 RBI in the second half. So like some of that he was, he was hurt, but that's 194 at bats. But like there was a pretty steep drop off for birdie first half, just for comparison's sake had hit 268 with 25 uh, stolen bases. So um, I don't know the track record, the kind of second half fade. I'm not going super early on him, but like in this draft, if he's man, mid teens, well, there, there's that there's the, the drop off he had. And then there's the other thing, which is tough to like predict ever, but I know it's a topic of conversation. They're going to have new uh, coaches, new manager. So what's the philosophy? Right. Like yeah. You think you're going to let Birdie run. Why else wouldn't you let Birdie run? Let's just be real. But, you know, some managers are just weird. So I'm just going to throw it out there. You never know who they bring in. I, I think it'll probably be somebody young that likes – that's cheap. That likes it. That's my guess. That's the Marlins way. But uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see there. And we might also I, – and I, I, I don't – I'm not totally sold that this will happen, but – there is a prevailing thought that with the rule changes, with um, the pitch clock and bigger yeah. bases and that sort of thing, that more players are going to steal. And thus, perhaps your 41 steals from John Birdie are not as valuable as they would have been um, in 2022. I don't, I don't know if that's, that theory is correct or not yet. I need to look into it a little bit more. But that's also something that's at play with taking these kind of stolen base only guys early in draft season. Um kind of like they were going to run anyway with rules or not is the is the rest of the league catching up to them theoretically uh, i'm going to lower their value i'm not sure but it's something to think about yeah it's the fun question that it's already getting talked about a ton do you do you do you stolen bases kind of even out flatten out kind of idea like right. to, the, to the the elite guys like you're saying aren't as elite anymore and also the shift conversation is all over the board so there's a lot of those fun ones that's going to change things as the draft seasons go on and people get really bored when there's no baseball to dig into stats that yeah. might be completely meaningless when things are all said and done but it'll be some fun conversation for sure fun all and right. quotes, your... not as yes. fun <laughs> exactly like i really don't plan on digging in on any of it but uh we'll see what happens um who is your biggest regret potentially i guess not drafting at second base um biggest regret not drafting i would say of course yeah 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 of course besides besides jazz i would say altuve and Edmonds. yeah that stands Um, out like a sore thumb altuve like yeah the production you got from those guys in the sixth or seventh round of a of a 15 teamer is just um it's just wild i know there was a lot of talk about Edmond like hitting ninth and spring training at the end and that sort of thing but uh yeah that was yeah, my regret. I, I don't think I got either of those two guys. Yeah, no Altuve for me. I was fading Edmund because, like I said, like I thought I could get Wong or someone later that would give me some good production, and they did. But, yeah, no Edmund. But Altuve was a guy that I'm, I'm kind of bummed at because a lot of us even said it like, hey, in like round nine or ten, you got this guy with a solid bat and average will score runs, hitting some power. But I don't think anybody expected the stolen bases. And that was just like an elite game changer for him because otherwise his stat line is just like a little better type France if he doesn't steal again. But, no, he stole. And that changed everything. So we'll wait and see how that goes in 2023. Let's go to shortstop. Shortstop position now. This is a fun one. Trey Turner, of course, leads the way, as we mentioned earlier. But the aforementioned Bo Bichette was the fifth 
player off the board at shortstop, and he or fifth overall player off the board, and he was the fifth in the Rasball Player Rater at shortstop, finishing with a 290 average, 24 homers, and 13 stolen bases. And if you just read Twitter, you would think Bobichet had the worst season alive at one point in time. He finished really strong, yes, but there was a section of the year where people were like, "Wow, what's wrong with Bobichet?" You probably wanted more than 24-13 at pick five, but as we've said, that this exercise shows you, he didn't kill you. And so I think that's the moral of the story here. Yeah, he was fine. He was absolutely fine. The, the only things that in Bichette's not like his corner, but we talked, we had a couple episodes about what's happened since football started. Uh, Bo Bichette taking off is one of those things that happened since football started. So Bo Bichette in September hit 403 with seven home runs and three stolen bases. So like, on the one hand, he probably won you some leagues, especially head-to-head post-playoff type formats. Like that, that was huge. On the other hand, if you drafted Bo Bichette and your team was kind of out of it by September, that September production didn't really matter for you. Um, I know it all counts the same. That 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 September production is the same as it was in April. Uh, but a lot of teams that had him probably probably out of the running at that point. But um, I took Bo Bichette fifth overall in labor mixed. And yes, like you said, Bubba, it's not the production that you like want out of that spot. But I mean, at HQ is still like a $30 player. I, oh, yeah. I, I honestly 100%. like if you if you said, would I make that pick again? Like it's not the I, but I wouldn't hate it. I mean, he did have so like I mean, the, the, the other big thing was the counting stats. 91 runs, 93 RBI for Boba Shet. So like um, a, a good year. He made up for it with a, with a yeah. really strong finish. Yeah, and of course Steve Weimer got him in round three in our draft somehow. Oh, I have no clue and, how. And I remember no the whole how. the whole room was yeah. like, oh. And yeah, that was before September. Happened. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Crazy so. talk. So yeah, no, I'm with you. I think he's still a very, very valuable high pick. He you won't see him in round three in any draft the rest of the year. Any 15 team or I will put money on that right now. Like you are not gonna see that. If you do, it's because someone literally heard this podcast and wants me to pay money. That's the only reason why it's happening. Uh he will not be going. Uh, in round three any other time i think he's back um, in first round back wheel yeah he should be i think once people kind of kind of get the 2022 taste out of their mouth and realize things like that he's moving right back up no no doubt about it the third shortstop off the board pick 27 was tim anderson 36 on their player hit 301 six homers 13 stolen bases and the thing i want to bring up with tim anderson because i love i know we both did we both had our fair shares of tim anderson like i know that for a fact and we, the average is never a joke, 301, 309, 322, 355. We know there's power. We know there's speed. The problem, Ryan, and this is where I'm having a really tough time, and I know it's only October 19th, and we really haven't dug in a lot, but 79 games, 123, 49, 123. That's his last four seasons. And then it was 153 and 146, which he can at least kind of stomach. But the last four seasons, he hasn't played more than 123 games, and we're taking like a third-round pick on him. That's getting harder to stomach going forward. Yeah, and the other number that's important too is thirty. I mean, that's how old he's going to be next year. Yep. Tim Anderson. A lot of his game is is based on speed, not only speed, but also having a high BABIP, an insanely high BABIP. Those things tend to erode quicker than power as yep. you get in into your thirties. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I like you said, I had a lot of Tim Anderson. A little regret with that pick. I think the process was fine with it, yeah. Um, but yeah, only played half the year again. And only six home runs, like that kind of <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> six no, home runs and no. uh not for Mr. Batflip, 32 no. at bats. No. Uh, like I could have stomached like if he had somehow got like 13 13, he'd probably be like 13th on the player radio. I'm like, ah, well, it wasn't great, but I survived. Like just just not doing anything stung tremendously. So yeah, it's gonna take a lot for me to get back on that train. And like we talk about regrets and things we need to do better in the future. And I think just kind of already looking through the first two sets of positions like Tim Anderson, Jazz Chisholm is kind of a tougher one, but just looking at Tim Anderson's last four years, like even before his last three years, he's not playing a lot. Why am I taking an early pick? Why am I taking that kind of a risk early on? Like, I know it sounds like you said hindsight's 2020, but those are things you can still look at and kind of like weigh out some things a little differently potentially. And uh, you might, you miss on some that all of a sudden have a full year, but at the same time, trends are trends eventually. And we've seen it with a lot of these players. And you said he gets older. It's one of those things. So, it's a captain hindsight thing, but we'll see how that one keeps playing out. Trevor Story, he was third at uh, he was a third overall at second base, fourth overall at shortstop, twenty fourth on the shortstop player Raider. Uh, so we kind of know that seventeenth at second base. So I guess it shows you the depths of the position if yeah. you want to. Yep. 
Great point. That 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 that's something that absolutely came. It kind of popped off the page for me. Trevor Story was the 17th ranked second baseman, and same stat line, 24th ranked shortstop. So um, you hear all the time, shortstop is deep. You can wait on shortstop. Yeah, it's kind of true. <laughs> and then like. Bobby Wood Jr., this is where it gets fun now when we look back on things. And he was awesome. Don't get me wrong, 254, 2030. Like, not many guys have ever done in their career, let alone the rookie season. Um, he was 51st off the board, 6th on the player raider. He went 14th overall in our draft. And like I said earlier, Bo Bichette was in the third round. So um, this is where the early drafts are looking. It's crazy. Wood is still very good. I have no problem with him going in the first round. I think this is who he is. And he might even be better. Because he had a little growing pains early on, and then he got going, and he kind of stumbled towards the end. He might be better than 254, 2030. So, like, there might be another level to, to uh, Bobby Witt. So, how are you looking at Bobby Witt? Like, obviously, this isn't a 2023 pod, but we can talk about it for a second. Um, he went 14th, and like I said, Bichette, we already both agree, is not a third-round pick. But how do you, like, kind of separate those two, like, at a first glance? I mean, if you're, like, asking me for which one I'd take, I'd probably go Bichette just because that's the way I draft. Yeah, like, it's... Yeah, it's just track record yep. and safety. That's that's me. That's that's the HQ way. So I'm on brand with that. But like Bobby Witt, and one of the things I really like to look with rookies is kind of those in-season splits and what Bobby Witt did once there was a book out on him in, in the majors. Second half increased his contact rate from 73% to 81%. So struck out a lot awesome. less in the second half. Yeah, it's fantastic. And he ran stole 18 bases in the second half to just 12 in the first half. So um, the second half improvement for me, yeah, the power wasn't as much there, but you know, it, this is a 22 year old kid and it was first time in the majors. Like that's another huge um, thing I'm leaving out. It's like, you can't, I mean, there, there could very well be another, another level here to Bobby Witt, but just the fact that he was able to, um, adjust, adjust to the adjustments and, and improve that K rate. Still run in the second half and hit 272. Um, bodes really well long term. So I, I've got no problem. Um, I think a little bit better, at least right now, a little bit better roto player, fantasy player than real life player, just because yeah. of the bags. Like still had a sub 300 OBP. So maybe in points leagues, I'm not as excited about Bobby Witt at least for 2023 only. But um, the steals, man. The steel stick out so much. Yeah, shortstop third base too. It's a big one. Big one with Bobby Witt. And then to wrap out the top six, I kind of you know hid the gems here. But in the top six at shortstop, four of the top six finished top six in the player rater, which tells you that a nice top-heavy solid approach. Francisco Lindor was that sixth guy, finished third in the player rater, hitting 270, 26, and 16. Um, I, I'm not expecting Javi Baez to do this, but this is kind of the idea of second year now. He got comfortable in New York, looked a lot more like the Lindor of old. And um, I think I think it's kind of I don't know if it's safe to say, but we got a guy that's back to being Frenchy, which I like to see. So he had a good year, and then you have Mondesi. Did you have any shares Ooh. of Mondesi this year? Did you have any shares of Mondesi? Like, I, I had, had one. To do with him. You had one. I had one cone of shame. I think my first ever Mondesi share. I took him in a DC first pitch Arizona speakers draft in the sixth round. I was like, man, sixth round. All right, I'll finally pull the trigger and. Uh, <laughs> not, not so, so much. much not, not so, so much. much but then we got some more solid performances bogart's 12th in the play rater marcus simeon fourth second at second base fourth at shortstop uh and xander's a phone we don't know where he's going to be but i guess it shows you how much the player rater values batting average because he only had 15 homers and eight steals but 307 obviously runs and rbis are good too but for the three main stats we're looking at the batting average pretty much i think sealed it for xander and that's kind of been a forte for him and i think eight stolen bases honestly was more than most of us expected so in the end it was probably a win but i think he wanted more than 15 homers yeah he wanted more than 15 but um yeah player raiders definitely hyping up that average the other big thing and this gets underrated a lot when talking about batting average is the volume associated with it so you can hit yep. 300 if it's only 250 at bats of it doesn't make as much of a difference True. as Xander Bogarts is 557 at bats of a three Oh, like True. that, that combination of adding average and that many at bats of it um, is, is, is massive. And now we fit, fit, we reach our first little skid mark of this deal. Uh, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th shortstop off the board, 68 through 83 Baez 26 on the Raider Wander Franco 39th. Jazz Chisholm, 34th. 
Jorge Polanco, 33rd. Now, two of those names we heard at second base, so that makes sense. Or three of them did we did. Those are a trend. But Wander Franco obviously was hurt a lot. I'm not going to like just pretend he had a horrible season because he played bad. He hit 277, six homers, eight stolen bases. But I, and I was anti Franco going into last season. He just hasn't shown it. Like, again, probably a better real life player than Roto player to me. Agreed. I mean, that, it was the homer, it was the home run stolen base ceiling for me that I think is at least right now, really low on Wander Franco and yes, injuries, that sort of thing, partial season, but still, like you said, six homers, three or uh, eight stolen bases and 314 at bats. You, you prorate that out to like 500 and it's still not all that great. So um, I know it's like super lazy to say this and interested to see where he, where that ADP ends up uh, next year. But, but with Franco, like I, I really am because you now have kind of, um, two half seasons of really not much in the majors. It's going to pop at some time, but how confident is the market going to be that it happens in, in 2023? I'm pretty sure I will be lower on uh, Franco than the market and probably won't have him um, this year. And now it gets really fun, Ryan, because from 14th to 21 at the shortstop position, yeah. it's a green, green road. And we talked about value Man. at second base. And I think we knew shortstop had value because we knew it was deep. But at the same time, you wanted a high-end shortstop because they were like five-category five studs. And that's what you wanted. But my goodness, Corey Seager, 245, 33 bombs, three steals. Tommy Edmond, we talked about him. Carlos Correa, 291 and 22. But here's the big boys. Dansby Swanson, 277, 25 and 18. And again, same thing happened in 2021. And one reason I always loved Dansby, but there was always questions is when Ozzie Albies is healthy, Dansby gets to the bottom of the order. When Ozzie Albies isn't healthy, Dansby gets at the top and he crushes. Now that's something to monitor going forward. Uh, what do the Braves finally do? Can they just leave him in a productive spot? But here is the one that I know helped the Guilds win a ton and probably many others. Willie Adamas. And then Swanson and Adamas went three picks apart. Swanson was second on the play rater. Adamas seventh. Adamas 238, 31-8 absolute beast he had cronworth med rosario had a strong season and then glaber torres that we talked about earlier so this section you had one two three four in the top nine overall and if you want to say six in the top 13 yeah. picked from 93 to 152 a lot of folks waited on shortstop kind of for this reason it's a deeper position you there and there's really with this group of, of of names that you just rattled off there's different like shapes to that production too you've got the You've got the kind of low stolen base guys in, in Seager and Correa that gets you either power or average. You've got the stolen base guys in like Ahmed Rosario, who I had a lot of, um, Edmund. And then you had just, yeah, Dansby. Dansby doing that was just uh, not not a league winner, not 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 any single players a league winner. We were two or three guys in baseball, but um, that was just that was just huge. And Willie Adamas, I know we've talked about him a little bit, but kind of gets maybe it's something um, – I don't know. Maybe it's something in Milwaukee just does not get the uh, the pub um, that he deserves. So uh, teammate Colton Wong and Willie Adamas, I guess we're going to keep hush hush. But both guys were yeah. super productive up the middle for, for Milwaukee this year. And the only other really green spots the rest of the way under Jimenez 10th on the play Raider. We talked about him already. Eugenio Suarez, who we talked about at third base last week, last was 14th week. at shortstop, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Jeremy Pena, 253, 22, and 11. And he kind of had some uh, rough patches in the middle of the season, but he still finished 18th. Jorge Mateo finished 19th with 221, 13, and 35. And then Josh Rojas as well. So, uh, And then Thyro Estrada down there, who basically almost went undrafted in most leagues, finished 15th on the play Raider. So any other thoughts on the bottom half here, which there's always some random, you know, bright spots you'll find, but that mid section at shortstop was tremendous. Yep. That, I mean, that, that was the answer. That was the place to, to, to shop. Uh, Tyro Estrada, that is a name and that's the benefit of doing these reviews. You probably noticed this Bubba, but like, mm -hmm. I did not know my man had 14 homers and 21 steals. Yeah. I'm kind of mad. We're talking about him right now. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. If anyone, I guess is in our DC listening to this. Uh, yep. He's buried at we'll, we'll ADP you. like six Oh six on that board. Wow. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 we are, we are next to each other in the draft. Yeah, so I, will I know. Not, so I'm not happy. I will not that. take him. I can't do that. No, I won't, I won't, yeah. I did the Dustin May thing. I can't, I can't do the, uh, 
the Tyro Estrada. But like, man, that's an out of nowhere age twenty six breakout. Um, well, I mean, what do you think about him? For I mean, that because that begs the question. Like, it came out of nowhere, no track record. Like, what do you do with him with him next year? Obviously, you haven't taken him yet in yeah, the draft in thirteen close. rounds, but I've been maybe close. He he's in, in the he's draft. in the queue. Yeah, he's in the queue. It's been close. The track record, like you said, hasn't been there, but it's kind of been one of those where I don't I want I want to say like you could see it coming, but like he always had a hit tool, just the power speed combo was kind of questionable. Like there's more speed than power, but the average was kind of pretty serviceable throughout the minor leagues. I think it was last year, um, DVR and Eno were looking at uh, minor league stat cast data, and his was like popping off the boards in in the minors. And it was one of those like things that transitioned okay to the bigs he didn't play enough last year well now he got to play every day and the giants are old and the giants like the platoon and i don't see how you keep thyro out of the lineup after what you saw this year um that's my two cents i think he'll be very good at the same time would i be shocked if he takes a pretty good step back no i wouldn't because we've only seen it once and that's the hard part with this but where you're paying to draft him i think he's worth the gamble i just don't know what his exact price should be and that's why i kind of keep playing chicken and i'll probably lose at some point in time but I'm really close to wanting to do it because the other reason why I like Thyro, if we want to get really goofy um, come draft season, is um, he is outfield, second base, shortstop. So outfield, middle, infield is a, a nice yeah. little ring to it as well. So that's, that's I think there's a lot goal. to like there. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like there. But honestly, he's one of those guys I don't. I wouldn't be shocked if he stepped back. But again, the price is right. So like we're almost at pick 200. So you're you're getting to that point anyways. So it's tough. It's definitely weird Very to see tough. a giant have that many steals. Maybe yeah. I'm just like missing guys, but it's true. It's true. Um, they don't. It's, they usually it's don't weird run. to see that. So. Yeah, this this last year was a weird year all around, to be honest. But uh, maybe that's the new philosophy. You'll have to wait and see. Um, who was one of your most targeted shortstops, good or bad? I was I was all aboard. So basically, <laughs> common theme: the most targeted guys in the last two episodes have all kind of sucked. <laughs> Yeah. thus our uh taking our l's episode a couple weeks ago this one wasn't so i was all over ahmed rosario um in the forecaster last year i remember we put an upside of 300 with 30 stolen bases on him didn't didn't reach that i mean that's kind of not the point of those upside projections in the forecaster it's more just to kind of raise your eyes as to what could happen if if things break the right way uh but we got we got a fair amount of pushback from that i think rosario was a pretty polarizing guy um ended up 283 11 homers 18 steals out of a 142 ADP. so um and like played the entire season so he was just set and forget all year and someone who i had a lot of and uh, really liked really liked what i saw in it you know in in the forecaster and in draft season it came to fruition uh, throughout the year yeah no, I, I like that one there's a lot of pushback because i had it i like it wasn't all in but I, I liked him and people were like oh he can't do this i'm like eh, i don't know i think he's better than you think uh for me i was i've been team dansby for a couple of years and like i said i pound the drum but the question is where does he hit in the order and like it's, it's a clear split mike curlin he follows lineups and he's pointed it out to me many times that's why he's kind of been anti-dansby a bit but I, I kept sticking to my guns and it worked out pretty well i'd say so um it was it was and he was always like a middle infield option because where he's getting drafted if i took a, a trey turner or a chisholm or whatever like he wasn't even the main dude at first if you think about it that'll change this year of course but uh dansby was one for me for sure who's one of your biggest regrets at shortstop it was dansby because <laughs> yeah. it's it's weird like you can be high end guys and just not draft them maybe i just yeah. took rosario like so and it, it's kind of funny maybe like the guy I targeted the most rosario who was going just one after one round after dansby um is kind of the reason why i didn't get more dansby so um dansby swanson biggest regret gonna be super interesting i, I believe he's a free agent uh um, yes he is next season yes he is season, he's so. one of the few young players they did not resign so go yeah that one out that's there true too. that's yeah. true good so chance I, I, good chance he's not back in atlanta is what's gonna happen yeah um We'll see. Who knows? It's so hard to predict. I mean, if yeah. anything, Atlanta does have some room <laughs> for a bigger yeah. contract, but you're right. Like that has not been, been their MO. Um, and maybe that's what's causing. So like not to make this about my teams or whatever, but like I said, I took Von Grissom in the, in the 12th round, uh, which I thought was, was really pretty, 
pretty good. I think yeah. he's got a decent 2020 ceiling with, with everyday playing time in 2023. Um, but the risk with that is if Atlanta does re-sign Dansby Swanson, Kristen doesn't have anywhere to play. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Dansby definitely, yeah, everyone talks about judge betting on himself and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess Dansby didn't have that option, but picked a heck of a time to, to break out. Most definitely. My biggest regret was uh, Lindor. I was anti-Lindor all, all draft season, and he proved me wrong. Like, it wasn't a killer because the other things worked out at shortstop. But, yeah, that was one of those that I could have probably changed my drafts up a bit by going that direction. So, Frenchie, Lindor would be one for me. So, one thing I'll, I'll ask you real quick, just so you mentioned with Lindor earlier, second year with the Mets. Um, What do you think about Baez for next year? Second year with Detroit. Expectations. I kind of hit it at it earlier. It's like, if he's going to be going this late in drafts, I'm probably going to jump in because I still think he's that talented and he's got such a weird approach that he could still bust out at any time and now you're not paying a premium for him. Like, I still think there's talent in that bat. It's just, it's Detroit. There is a big swing and miss there. Like, there's a lot of questions, but you're not paying the premium anymore. And second year in Detroit, I am more intrigued. Yes. Still available in the 13th of our league. So go for it. It's all yours. All right, let's do a couple listener questions as you guys came through for us tonight. This is a big one here. We'll start off with Nick Bird, who says, who is your favorite buy low in Dynasty Leagues for both shortstop and second base? Um, so I'm not going to go like too much into the into the prospect side of things just because that's not my forte, and I'm not going to pretend I know what I'm doing with that. So I'm more looking at younger um, second basemen who have had time in the majors, who have shown something in the majors, but they're just coming off down years. And for me, I'm going to go Brandon Lau. Um, hit 221, eight homers, injuries, all that sort of thing. I think it was just kind of a lost season for Brandon Lau. Um, and so I think uh, – how how old is he? I think he's still super young, like 25, 26. And in Dynasty, I think that's kind of that – well, he's 28. Um, but I still think he's young enough to turn it around. And in Dynasty, I think that's like kind of the pocket where – you want to kind of buy low and and take those rebound guys in the majors. So I'll go Brandon low. Yeah. For me, I think you can get a little bit of a discount right now for a 22 year old CJ Abrams. That'd be a guy mm-hmm. to look at. There's still, there was a big prospect pedigree there. He's in Washington, change of scenery, everyday playing time. I'd be willing to take a chance on him. That'd be a guy I'd look at for sure. Like that. John Dobo says, Hey guys, Brendan Rogers or Thyro Estrada five by five dynasty. <sighs> I kind of want to say Brendan Rodgers because of Coors Field still. But it, Thyra was good. Thyra was good. I just think Brendan Rodgers has the pedigree to be better. Um, I'm going to go with Thyra. I it's just, tough. I, yeah, it, it's eh, – I don't know. Um, maybe I'm lower. I, oh, I'm obviously lower on Rodgers than you. Maybe I'm too low on Rodgers. But, like, and I know he's had some injuries that have kind of shortened the, the beginning of his major league career but hasn't really shown much of anything in the majors. I mean, 13 home runs and 527 at bats. Like Brendan Rodgers had a pretty extended sample in 2023, only missed 11 days on the IL with a hamstring injury and did not much with it. Didn't steal a single base. So like, I just feel like there's a lot more Brendan Rodgers types that you can, especially in keeper and dynasty that you can kind of supplement in um, supplemental drafts or on waivers, whereas like a Thyro, or if you are getting 20 bags um, with True. some pop and batting average, I, I, I'd rather go that direction. Fully aware that Rodgers could break out at some point and prove me wrong and do like a Charlie Blackman type of thing, but um, yeah. I, I don't I think know. He I sold think chances me. are low. I think he sold me. I think Thyro might be worth the, the risk there as well. Uh, Mid's projection system says is drafting Polanco or Seager non-stolen base sources at middle infield going to be a trap or a value in your estimation? Seems like they'll project as a value ADP again wherever they settle, but you'll need to reverse engineer the speed into your team. Well, Polanco was not productive this past year. Seager finished very high on the player rater. I usually still avoid both. That's just my personal preference, but I could see at least some Seager appeal if you need to. What do you have there? Really good question because and the, I, I really like the way you framed it because it can be both a trap and a value. So like we talked about this on the corner infield pod last week that there is just at third base, there's no stolen bases outside of like birdie J Ram and wit at first base. I think like Freddie Freeman 
had the most steals at like 13 steals. There's just no steals at corner infield. So if you don't get steals at corner infield and you take a Corey Seager type in the middle infield, where are you getting your steals? You're kind of pigeonholing yourself into a certain type of player in the outfield that you need to go to, to, to make up for that. Or you go with like a JTR Varsho type of thing at catcher. Um, So that's where like, that is where drafting a low stolen base guy in the middle infield can, can set you back. You have to have a plan that said, like where it can be a value is Corey Seager was like vastly underrated last year in my opinion like it was going yeah, way too late in drafts yeah. yeah 33 homers finished like you said Bubba finished ninth in shortstops like from an actual valuation standpoint that was a no-brainer um you just have to have a plan for other positions for how you're you're going to get your bags all right um it's all about team construction the old adage team construction uh yeah. we have to rapid fire these because i have to run here shortly um nate curtis seager or india I'll go Seager. I'm going to go India because I'm biased after today. Um, Little Book of Comps says, last year, Albies was an early second-round pick before struggling and then being hurt. Any reason not to completely throw out his 2022? I'd be happy to take his age 26 at any discount in the market. I'd say yes because I did. I did already. You took him in in the draft, I think, third round. Third round. um, I would throw it away too. Injury, age, he's got the track record. Ballpark, everything you want. Yeah. And last but not least, Greg Kelly says, curious where Jorge Mateo figures in. That's a tough one. We always knew the speed was there. Power was great. Can he do it again? I'm torn on him, to be honest. I, have, I need to dig in on it more. But uh, what are your thoughts on Mateo? I do. I don't want to lead astray. Um, I just think with Mateo, like there's such a risk, especially because Baltimore is like good now and contending for the postseason. There's yeah, a risk true. that they don't just let Mateo run wild i mean dude at a 267 obp he's he's very much at risk of of losing playing time which makes him kind of useless so uh, i'm probably not taking mateo anywhere um in an even semi-early round next season yeah it's, it's a tricky one i looked at him a couple of times in our draft and i just kind of passed i was like no nope, not gonna take that risk right now yeah i'm already struggling in that draft to begin with um any final thoughts at shortstop and second base for a wrap up another fun look back and kind of like huh this is how it really turned out this year as again early rounds middle rounds loaded at the middle infield yep uh and and yeah that, that was the path this year to kind of wait middle infield get your bags there and take corner infield early so um enjoying these so far we'll do I, we'll probably do outfield next week and mm-hmm. i don't know after that it'll be first pitch so we'll probably take a week off but We'll prep for outfield and then prep for our live show the week after, yep. man. That'll be a blast. Hit some golf balls, all that fun stuff, watching live baseball, drinking beers. It's going to be a great time in Arizona. But we'll keep it coming for you here to recap 2022 and get you ready for 2023 because it's already draft season, folks. So if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. Again, uh, leave us questions for the show. We appreciate it. Check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ and get ready for that, that big, big forecaster that they're cranking out over there. I'm on Twitter at BDEntrick. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you guys next time.